Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. <laughs> you just took a big swig of water. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Okay. Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot going on and there's nothing going on right now, which is which is really exciting and also really boring. Um, we we wanted to talk today. I think we'll start with uh, talking a little bit about the um, the governor's race because some some folks have, have formalized their their first steps into that. Um, that was all like a, a bunch of that all happened like just a little bit more than a week ago. Yeah, it, was like it a feels big like it was so long ago. Yeah, yeah. But like by our podcast, sort of the the rate uh sort of the timeline of our podcast it's all that's all super recent yeah yeah i mean we yeah sure we do this fairly frequently so the yeah okay so let's we'll start with the governor stuff then we'll talk a little bit about the special session that's going on this is the third special session and then um and then maybe we'll talk about uh kind of some bigger picture stuff so um so the thing that i want to talk about with the governor's uh, race is really interesting. Well, it's really interesting to me and probably to no one else. But, uh, the, the thing that I noticed was the, um, the way that both governor Dunleavy and governor Walker and Les Guerra, uh, uh, also like rolled out their campaigns. And I thought they were very interesting first steps to me. Um, uh, Governor Dunleavy announced that he was going to run for governor, and the first big interview he did with was with Nat Hertz um, on Alaska Public Media, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I'm I'm not sure, maybe you have some insight, but why would he choose to go with kind of what is the the opposite of his base, um, or or something that he views as like a not necessarily like a friendly environment? I think um, as his first big interview. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's trying to be, it's a little bit of posturing, right? You're kind of, you know, I think trying to stake out some ground and by taking a first shot that kind of reaches across the spectrum, right? Because if you made it on Must Read or some other sort of conservative, you know, a radio show, for example, um, you know, those are going to be easy interviews to get done later, right? You can, those are call-ins. And so I think um, part of it is just making sure you get your message out there, right? Because I think it's easier or more welcoming to for for people for the general public to kind of look at it and say okay I'll listen to that because it's it's not yeah. somewhere because I think that's kind of you know I think this whole administration has sort of been defined by like sort of staying into the safe space that is sort of the right wing sphere and so you know if they were to have done their announcement like that I think it would have been sending a very clear message that they're not interested in trying to get to anybody right yeah that they're going to stay in their sort of little well manicured garden of ecosystem yeah so do you feel like this is uh them saying they're more interested in hearing from a broader contingency of alaskans or it's just just like hey we want to win again (laughs) i think (laughs) i mean i think it's it's you know politics is all framing right you know and so i i don't you know whether or not they're actually interested in hearing from anybody uh they certainly would like to appear like they're interested in hearing from people right that's the whole idea because i think you know, this this week also, if we want to talk about other gubernatorial electoral things, the you know the recall campaign officially suspended its operations, and I think um, so. I think it's you know there's some element of trying to at least appear like you're you know meant trying to mend 
the fences, I guess. Oh, I can tell you. I mean, I'm I'm on the recall steering committee. I can tell you about those discussions, and I don't think yeah. those discussions are <laughs> so much about like appearing like we want to mend the fence. I think that the. Uh, well, I don't you think know, your guys are trying to mend the fence. I think him appearing on that radio show is trying oh. to mend the fence. Oh, okay. Going back to that radio show appearance, do you, did you listen to that? Did you get a chance to listen to the interview that Nat did? Yeah. Yeah, so one thing I thought was was uh, fascinating was the there was a part in the show where Nat is trying to ask kind of a uh, a, a question that takes some reflection and some sort of like uh, being able to kind of step outside yourself and evaluate your performance. And he kept trying to ask this question in different ways, and he just couldn't get an answer quite to like quite what he was looking for. And eventually, he just sort of said to himself, "He said, oh, oh right, you hate you hate introspection. You hate introspection.'" And, and it, to me, that was like just such a revealing moment in, you know, Nat's a journalist who has been covering Dunleavy for his entire term here. And I think that you start to, you know, someone like that starts to understand how someone thinks and feels and works. And for Nat to say, you don't like introspection is like, oh, okay, well, this, he doesn't enjoy looking inside at like the, you know, like the motivations or the or the ideas. What what did you think about that little piece of things? Do I mean, think I think it's dumb- really, I think it's really interesting because I, I've talked to a lot of other reporters too. And a lot of them who, you know, so, okay. Like I'm obviously approach things with my own sort of worldview. I, that's sort of the freedom and sort of flexibility that I have, you know, but there are a lot of reporters that are, I think, you know, more middle of the road or whatever, but I think that they're all really, trying to understand who Dunleavy is. That's sort of the thing that refrain I hear frequently is that he seems to sort of be this sort of unknown quantity in a sense that maybe he doesn't even know who he, who even know who he is. There's sort of this weird, I think, you know, I've heard people ask about, you know, try to understand what kind of boss, what kind of boss is he? Right. You know, and I think there's not like a really good understanding of it because I think that, I, I don't know. Yeah. And I think so that's, 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 that's the sort of question I would love to hear answered too. Right. Is sort of this sort of introspection, like, you know, how do you form your worldview, that kind of thing. And we don't really have like a super good understanding of that still. Yeah. He doesn't let a lot of people pass the wall. Right. And there's, and like, there's maybe cer- there's not a lot on the that, other side of the wall. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Who knows? Like who knows what's over there because we don't get a, we don't really get a glimpse of it. Right. And the other part of the interview that I thought was really interesting was the part where he talks about his lieutenant governor. You know, the 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 election system has changed. Right. We have this new ranked choice voting thing. But what comes along with that is that the governors now have to run with a lieutenant governor rather than just get kind of assigned whoever comes shakes out of the primary. And so um, the the candidate like when. When Bill, we'll talk about Bill Walker in a second, but he he announced that he's running for governor, and he came out with Heidi Drygus and said, "This is, this is Heidi." They did an interview with, view with Jeff Landfield, um, which is which is another interesting kind of like framing. Um, but they did like this; it, it was kind of like a team. They came out and prevented, mm-hmm. presented this unified front and said, "We're running together," and they kind of presented as co-equals, and um, you know, then they had nice things to say about each other, and then 
in Dunleavy's interview, in contrast to that, like they kind of asked about, you know, like, oh, great. Well, who's your running mate, right? And it's like, are you going to run with Kevin Meyer? And I, you know, I don't know, I guess. Well, I that, the rumor <laughs> is that he's not going to run with Kevin Meyer, right? The, and the so... rumor is he's not going to run with Kevin Meyer, but then he said he, said he is. For now, for yes. For the time being, is. I think was yeah. his response. Yeah. As of now, yes. Yeah, as of now, yes. So it's So that was kind of interesting to see, too. And then you've got... Um, you know, along that, in that same topic, we've got Les Guerra, who has just announced that he's running for governor as well. And he announced without having a lieutenant governor also, which I, you know, I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting. I think that, um, you know, maybe with someone like Les Guerra, it's easier to get a good lieutenant governor candidate if you actually put your face out there and declare your intentions and then say like, hey, who wants to run with me? But, but also like, I think there's something, some real value in saying like we have a team assembled and right. I'm I'm a good leader because I have a good team and and that's what you want. I don't want a I don't want a governor. I want a I want a team that's going to run Alaska and do it really well, right? I want I want the person who's going to bring in all the right people. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I think that's that is a very pragmatic view of things, right? And I think it does sort of speak to the sort of image because that's, you know, all of this right now is about, you know, sort of cat setting expectations about sort of staking out your ground in the race. And I think, yeah, exactly. Like uh, Walker having his running mate, having a picture, having a press team with him, you know, was a very clear, this is like a, we are a serious campaign. Um, And so I think it, you know, I think it speaks to, you know, the the background of it all with the Walker race, right? Is that this is a a campaign that is going to have, from, you know, it's very clearly signaling it's going to be looking for and probably already has the support of organized labor, right? And that is a difficult place to be in if you're any other kind of candidate because that's sort of or on the progressive side of things because it's sort of, you know, the traditional sort of avenues towards election is that you would team up with labor and then you that would be some of your backing. And so, you know, I think being able to come out and sort of stake out that ground is I think really important kind of moving forward and, and seeing how people, you know, get on board and whether or not they get on board. And I think, you know, for the Dunleavy thing, you know, the whole rumor really is that, you know, he's looking for a more conservative candidate, more kind of on brand. And I think that's a signal too. Right. And so that him, you know, uh, uh, I think Lieutenant governor Meyer, I think in a lot of ways was, sort of seen as the moderate guy that was going to be in there not necessarily moderate but the guy that's going to like help keep a lid on things obviously hasn't worked out all that well as far as keeping a lid on things and so you know by him you know so him signaling that you know maybe he's not so such a fan of this guy maybe that helps him you know shore up more conservative side of things because it's you know has if you pay attention sort of if you dig around on the facebook threads it doesn't look like he's necessarily got that all locked down either so yeah, Meyer's been pretty quiet as lieutenant governor. We heard just a little bit from him during the election, um, but he's largely been just kind of off the scene uh, and in the background. Uh, so it's hard to it's hard for me to know what contributions he's made. It's definitely not the yeah. the sort of relationship that Byron Malott had with Bill Walker, mm-hmm. and I know that ended poorly, but it was. Uh, <laughs> Um, but it was really admirable that they were able to work together because I've seen so many lieutenant governors in Alaska just kind of get shuffled to the sidelines. You know, people like Mead Treadwell and things like that, where they're just like, right. uh, thanks for running with me. See you later. 
Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, I think, yeah, I think what you said about having a team and organized, I think is, you know, that was really integral to what Walker's campaign, you know, office was by the end of it, is that he had somebody who was in there to kind of check his ideas. And at least that was, you know, the, at least that was the picture that he was projecting by the end of it. Did you see the um, the interview that Jeff did with Walker and Dragus? I haven't seen it actually. It's it's really good. It was a um it w- it was a very good interview. It was like a four camera shoot, very polished and professional looking, and uh, I and I think uh, sponsored by GCI, which which I don't know if that's I don't know if GCI is just sponsoring Jeff's work or if they're sponsoring like hey we're into Walker, but that could be an interesting sign mm-hmm. too. Um, the conversation they had was really good and it was and it was largely framed around introducing Heidi I think um it was like you know this is this is who I'm running with and this is what we care about and these are our values and they didn't get into a lot of like specific policy but they were really open to kind of whatever questions got thrown at them um anyways uh other candidates we've got Les Guerra I haven't seen a major like here's less interview. Uh, I mean, I've seen a few articles, but I haven't mm-hmm. he- heard anything where he's got a chance to really articulate his position. Um, and uh, Billy Toyin, it's kind of the same thing. He's a libertarian candidate. I haven't heard yeah. um, if there's any kind of kickoff event or, or interview with, with that person either. So, um, but anyways, it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting thing. And it's kind of just, uh, it's kind of just uh, exciting and shiny right now, but it's not, probably super important at this early stage <laughs> now that's a, that's the funny thing about all of this is that uh that was you know all of the sort of developments is really that has been in the last two weeks from when we're talking right now and uh it just feels like a, a million things are happening right now but also like a, not a lot is happening at the same time so it's kind of hard to tune in on a race that is, you know, more than a year and a half away when you know kind of the, the state seems to be sort of teetering on the edge right now yeah so about that um we're we're in the middle of a third special session this is the we've had this pfd working group uh, a lot of hearings and and kind of deep uh across the aisle work even uh in trying to come up with some foundational agreements that the that they can you know make some decisions in the legislature and now the legislature is meeting in their third special session and really hasn't gotten very far and there have been a lot of a lot of weird curveballs and um some little huffy <laughs> dramas uh but not much of substance uh is that yeah. pretty accurate yeah. or what are you seeing i mean yeah it, i mean right now the current status is uh that you are seeing more and more frequent uh comments to the press that there may be no dividend this year that it may just be too difficult to even breach this year and so that's what's so interesting about it too is that you know kind of like this the launch of the governor's races a lot of this just seems to be like posturing at on some level it feels yeah. like there's very little actual you know substance in much of this where it's just you know we want a bigger pfd and we're gonna turn all the sort of dials we can yeah and i mean and there's the constitutional amendments they're trying to get through and all that stuff and it just feels like it feels like with the elections looming, with people announcing they're running for office, um, there's got to be some calculus going on of like, well, if we give Dunleavy a big PFD, then maybe we have to deal with Dunleavy some more. And if we give Dunleavy a $0 PFD, then maybe that looks back bad for him. But then on the other side of the uh, other side of the equation, they're probably thinking like, gosh, maybe we can get rid of this 
annoying house majority if we if if it's their fault that there's this zero dollar pfd so so to me it really feels like they're playing hot potato with this like zero dollar pfd and trying to figure out who's going to get like stuck with the you know who's who's gonna not who's not gonna have a chair to sit in when the music stops right yeah that's exactly it and so that's what feels so frustrating about it because you know you we we have the working groups report and you know i was a, a chief doubter that this would do you know produce anything of substance right and i i was pleasantly surprised i think there really were the at least building blocks of something on there and that you know we can kind of quibble over whether or not you know the details of it you know progressive income tax sales tax you know that sort of stuff all worthy debates that's not what we're having now though you know this is is we kind of put out the pieces and then immediately swept all the pieces off and are back to arguing over the sort of fundamental questions which is you know i guess that is truly the the issue right is that we have these sort of fundamental questions about whether or not we should overspend the states, um, the permanent fund to, to pay for a dividend. That's like the that's the main question to figure out right now. And they are just completely unable to work on anything, even though they all acknowledge that they should kind of do everything else together, too. The, the reason that they can't do anything is because they need to figure out the other pieces, but they can't yeah. figure out the other pieces because they want to do and so it's it's sort of it's so frustrating to sort of see, you know, I think there are legitimate efforts to kind of to pull all these pieces together that are immediately falling away to kind of the sort of normal political opportunism that you'd see. Yeah. And it feels like this this special session devolving feels like next year is going to just be, uh, you know, kind of a slog as well. It means like yeah. we'll, we'll probably just kind of barely get the bare minimum you know, budget passed to keep government operational and everyone will be busy just sort of like fighting over what does the future look like? Uh, and the referendum on that is the election. Yep. And and I think it's, it's frustrating because, you know, there are sort of talks about, you know, putting X, Y, and Z, you know, uh, putting actual constitutional amendments forward, right? Like, should we, you know, put the PFD in the constitution? Should we do it with a guarantee? Should we do it with, uh, you know, a, a certain size, should we do, you know, there's a lot of kind of interesting questions here that I think, like, if we're trying to be pragmatic, right, and we're trying to find some kind of solution, like, maybe, maybe we do want to do this stuff, maybe we do want to do the 50-50 PFD, if it makes sense, and if it's balanced, and that sort of seems to be what the takeaway was, is that, like, we got to do something, but it's got to have some balance to it, and that means everyone has some sort of balance to it, and, you know, there's just, that kind of melted away right away. You know, it was sort of, it, it was almost, you know, I think I kind of think of it almost as, you know, I think there was sort of a faint to it that they said, look, we are coming down on how big the PFD should be. And also maybe we'll do taxes. And then as soon as, you know, the house majority coalition and other people were saying, okay, well maybe we could do an overdraw. Then they said, Oh, you said you could do an overdraw. So that's all we want now. And so, it, yeah. To me, it's really and taxes are off the table. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating because it does seem like you know there really legitimately are the pieces, but I think Dunleavy benefits from there being disorder because it's more productive, I think, to be blaming the majority than it is to be proposing taxes. Right? Like it's easier; it's a more productive political route than 
have any responsibility well, in it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think when you're saying that, what I'm hearing is that like it's 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 more productive for the next election cycle at this point yeah. to try and to try and just use where we're at now use the the drama of the fiscal situation that we're in now to kind of engineer the next election win. And so it feels like the work that's being done now isn't in trying to solve the problem, it's in trying to craft the narrative to win the next election so you can so that you can just throw out the other guys ideas and do it your damn self without having to work across the aisle, right? Yeah, so pretty so I much, think, yeah. I think both, the house, and ma- really house majority too, yeah. house majority imagines they're going to remain intact and have a new governor to work with. And the governor imagines he's going to be there and he's going to have a new house majority to work with. And both are possible. So, yeah. And we have redistricting too. Yeah. That's a whole thing. We have the new election system. We have unlimited campaign contributions directly to candidates right now. So not quite, not quite, not quite. So uh, on that note, so what you're talking about is the, um, the ninth circuit court, overturned our campaign finance laws that limit individual contributions to $500. And, uh, but, but, but one of the judges said that he wants to have an, uh, was it en banc? Is that, how do you pronounce it? Uh, he wants to have a hearing of all of the judges, um, uh, to kind of relitigate and make sure they made the right decision. And so, mm-hmm. um, in the meantime, right now, APOC is still holding everyone to the $500 limit, but it's possible that anyone can contribute as much as they want and we'll see how that goes. And that would be really, really good for people who uh, like to serve very wealthy members of our society and not so much the not wealthy members of our society. And for those politicians who like to look out for the little guy, they aren't going to do so well. Well, you know, so, so it's, the status quo more or less. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, but further entrenched the status quo, I guess. Yeah. So, but it's it's not it's not great. Um and it's a really interesting discussion about like freedom of, of speech, right? So they've said money is speech and we can't restrict the amount of speech someone has, so therefore we can't restrict the amount of yep. money someone spends. Uh which is which is really like uh kind of sucks because I don't have as much speech as some other people. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's a very strange way to to measure freedom of speech. Is is the like, oh yeah, everyone can can talk as much as they want, but you actually are limited by uh, you 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 get three hundred words, and this guy gets <laughs> un- like five hundred thousand yeah. words. Yeah. Anyways, so Anyways. Um, you, I think you wanted to talk about, uh, I think you wanted to talk about libraries. Oh gosh. <laughs> So I think that's like kind of sort of the I think the cherry on top of like this, you know, mountain of kind of just sort of bad feelings is that, you know, there's there's an election going on. There's a, a legislative session that seems to be devolving quickly. And then we have just the the most childish approach to how Anchorage has a, a librarian so I guess the long story short, if you haven't heard it, which if you haven't, then count yourself lucky, I guess, is that uh, this new mayor, Dave Bronson, who's kind of in this sort of same self-engrandizing, self-enriching sort of pattern of all sort of elected Republican leaders in the last you know six years. So 
he he uh, appoints to the library foundation Sammy Graham, who doesn't have any sort of like doesn't actually meet the requirements for it. Uh, once the borough or once the assembly um, rejects her, he stands up and he announces her as his new chief of staff. And and if you want to meet with my chief of staff, she'll be at the library. Right. Yeah. And then so that is actually there's a whole lot of like questions about whether or not that was even legal to start off with. Uh, now they've appointed Judy Elledge, who's like a out and out racist to this position. I saw a great interview with her on uh, it was on one of the news channels. I think Daniela uh, Rivera did it. And it was just like, hey, did you write all these all these horrible posts that have that look yeah. like they've been deleted from your Facebook. Well, I wrote some of them, <laughs> you know, like just, yeah, it was, it was very good. It was very much like, yeah, well, I may have deleted all the stuff I wrote and I'm not going to tell you which ones I really did write, but most of those are definitely made up probably possibly. Well, I did yeah. write them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think like to me, this puts like a, it really does like underline sort of the bigger like concerns. I think a lot of us are having right now, which is like, the divide and sort of like hysteria and like rancor and bad feelings that the right was really harboring into the 2020 election have seemingly only accelerated and worsened um, in a lot of ways. And I think maybe not really have worsened, but have become, um, I think, you know, they are, a lot of them are looking toward the 2022 election and are, uh productively inflaming you know keeping the rage going right that this is sort of they're effectively engaging their populace in ways that you know the critical race theory is one thing you know what is sort of each new flavor of the month and so i think that's you know kind of what's going on here to some extent is that it's whipping so, people up so, and so now now angry. we're angry about libraries right because so yeah. the so in anchorage there was like a like they had like drag performers read children's books or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was the end of the world. And then now they have to go in and clean house. And, and, and I think there's largely a perception that libraries are fairly liberal organizations, uh, providing whatever information you might want, um, about whatever topics you might want. Um, and so the, the library thing I think is important and local issues are important, but I think that, um, this yeah. has got people so wound up because it's something they can like reach out and touch. Like, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to feel like you can't do anything about national politics. It's really easy to feel that way. And it's easy to feel like you don't really have a lot of say over state politics, but when something's happening at your local library, it feels like you can maybe go do something about it. Yeah. And so I think that's why this has become such a big flashpoint. Yeah, I think it, and it's kind of similar to what we've seen with the whole push around the politicization of school boards. You know, you're looking at the same thing there where a lot of that engagement is really happening on the most sort of local levels. It's, you know, fights over mask mandates and all this sort of stuff. And um, it's engaging people on that level. And, you know, I bet it's going to translate into pretty aggressive school board races that uh, will, you know, continue to sort of shape policy and so I think that for me, you know, I look at some of this stuff and you see, you know, a, a man with a GoPro strapped to his chest with his fingers in his ears standing up yelling at the assembly. And it's, yeah, it's like funny and ludicrous. But to me, it's also a reminder that that guy, that guy really does care about the election. You bet 
you know, sure as hell that he is going to be involved in some way and people like him will be involved in some way. And so I think I think it's a really strong message that, you know, when the governor's races are starting to come together right now, that, you know, we can't take any of this sort of uh, success or, or lack of success or any sort of assumptions for granted, like. You know, ballot measure two is not going to save anybody on its own. No, you know, uh, uh, redistricting is not definitely not going to save. It's going that's going to make things worse probably. And so, I, I think it just really speaks to how important it is to be engaged and active and and really thinking about these races in serious ways heading into next year. I think that um, we can't just assume that you know all this stuff seems as crazy to everybody else as it does to us or, you know, well, that, yeah, there's people I mean, out there that are taking ivermectin horse dewormer yeah. for, for God's sake. Like, well, I mean, so like the, the thing is like, we all live here in this place together. Right. And like, it's, we can't, whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats or, you know, whatever group uh, has power or takes power or is running whatever city or, part of the state or you know like it you, you can't just pretend these other people don't exist because yeah. they're they're there we're all here we're all here together and just because you win an election doesn't mean that that everyone else just went away um right so it's you know and i think that i think dunleavy ran into that in his first term he came in he's like i won and i'm gonna do whatever the hell i want and he hit a wall and and in 2019 with the, you know, the recall came in and then there's just like a ton of other pressures on him uh, from the business community, from all over the state. And he realized he couldn't do everything he wanted to do because everyone, you know, like, because we're all still here. And I think the Bronson's mm-hmm. going to run into the same thing where he, he comes in and he thinks he can just kind of walk all over everyone. And I think really quickly he's going to realize that like, he can't just have an antagonistic approach to governance. It just isn't productive. Like if he actually wants to do anything, then he needs to figure out how to work with people and he needs to figure out how to work with people who live here. Yeah. I mean, I think that, and that's what's so there rather. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's so frustrating about a lot of this is that, um, it all feels like an opportunity cost on some, on some level that, you know, Anchorage does, you know the the fact that they can't reach an agreement on uh, sh- the shelter situation doesn't mean that the shelter problem is going away. You know, and so, um, so a lot of this stuff. I mean, it just feels like divisive for divisive sake, and that I think is what is so frustrating to me, and kind of in a lot of ways like disengaging. I, I find it hard to really like get super whipped up about the librarian thing because it where it's coming from is so disingenuous that it, it doesn't like even reach the policy level of things. It's just like theater almost, you know, it's, it's totally playing to this base. And so it's, it's, I think it's frustrating to kind of see some of these fights get so wrapped around that kind of axle. That I, I don't even feel like I have, you know, any real part in talking about the librarian thing. I mean, like I, I like libraries. My mom was a librarian for 33 years, but, but like what's going on in Anchorage is going on in Anchorage and like how that community wants to run their municipal government isn't really my place, I think to, to say, mm-hmm. um, but the, the complicated, you know, multi-layered part of that is that Anchorage is kind of this gravity well that sucks the rest of Alaska into its politics <laughs> and into its decision makings. And so whatever weird stuff happens in Anchorage is going to affect the rest of us. And so mm-hmm. that's the, 
that's kind of the thing. It's like, I don't really want to care about this, but then again, I have to kind of like be like, okay, well, you know, this, I need to know what's going on a little bit because if Bronson's mayor of Anchorage, he's going to be the next guy running for governor of Alaska or for the Senate or, you know, whatever. And, and the policies that they make there affect everything around Anchorage. So I don't know. It's a little bit of that center periphery thing where you kind of don't want to get sucked into it, but it's the, the hub of the wheel. It's, it's difficult because it, it you know, it, it's hard not to feel like, you know, things are kind of getting ripped apart and we can't sort of see eye to eye on things. And I think, well, that's, I mean, that's the basis. That's kind of the basis of the concept of conservatism, right? Is that you want to conserve things. You want to keep things the way they are. You want to keep things the way they were. You want things to be like they were when you were a kid. And I think it's actually tied up, at least this is my own perspective at, at the age 43. I think it's tied up in aging. I think that we, we get older and the world change, the world changes around us and it makes us a little bit like, I don't know about fearful, but it makes us like yearn for kind of this nostalgia of like, man, things used to be simpler. And we've got this rounded out view of memory. Like memory is a, it's like a stone in a river. It gets real soft around the edges and we don't remember all the jaggy bits quite so much. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that like in conservatism, I think there's a little bit of this, like just desire to go back to, to a better time when I was when I was healthier, when I was faster, when I had more opportunity ahead of me, I wish I'd done things differently or, or I wish I'd just had it to do over again because it was so great. And I think that there's a little bit of that in conservatism. With Bronson, you know, the moment after he had announced all this sort of stuff, you know, people were talking about, you know, his, his brass balls, he was dropping on the faces of the legend, you know. Of, <laughs> and I think... And that's what's so frustrating is that it does seem like there's part of it is, you know, owning the libs, you know, that really there truly is some element of it that is about winning, you know, that winning is sort of the old, the ultimate thing that, and the only thing that matters is, you know, because there's nothing in this, you know, that from them on the library thing that sort of speaks to how any of this will make the library services better. And for them, I think the idea of, improve library services in a lot of ways is you know reduce library services all that sort of stuff but i think that's what's so frustrating is that there's very little you know aspirational or goals sort of being set out here other than let's make the liberals feel bad you know and i guess that's uh that's uh energy but it jokes on them because liberals already feel bad right we feel bad about everything (laughs) and so i think that there's um to me, you know, from the person who like wants to be nerdy about, you know, how politics work, or government works and all that sort of stuff, there's like very little meat here in this sort of like politics of grievance and of one-upsmanship and of showboating and all this sort of stuff. It's just sort of like a bummer to me. It's a bummer to see like it fall to that and it it meet to me it, you know, talks to a lot about like all the sort of things that we're not doing because we're focused on this stuff. Like just imagine if like, you know, we could not be focused on, you know, we're not going to have to spend several weeks worried about Anchorage's librarian, you know, that's what's so frustrating to me about it is you look around and there's like so little of the politics that from that side that is building anything. And it seems to be sort of primarily driven on breaking stuff down. And then I think that's, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been feeling good about Alaska politics a lot in the last like, month or so and i think this is sort of the it all 
sort of is you know encapsulated by this whole librarian thing it's just the most sort of dreary predictable kind of feels bad yeah i mean sort of some thing. of it yeah. some of it's like my dad always characterized this to me as like cabin fever you know we're all in this small state and we get kind of like yeah 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 and like start chewing on each other and don't like yeah. where the last guy left his coffee why'd you leave your coffee cup there on my on the table like that and it's like it's not a no, it's not a big deal. It's a table, and he put the coffee cup on the corner of the table. And it's you know, it's, but I but I think that there's just this like little bit of henpecking we do, of of each other, just because we we kind of see each other too much. We sort of are in each other's way, in each other's space, and it does become about like who gets to make the decision, who's in charge. Uh, it becomes that more than it becomes what is a good decision for all of us. It's like right. who gets to make the decision is the bigger question, right? Right. N- not not what is the right one. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that there's, in some ways, we need to kind of, like, step back and recognize that, um, you know, recognize that that we're not necessarily always in conflict. Um, there, I think there's a lot of humanity in Alaska, and I think we really do, when we get in the same room as people, we, we remember that, and I think we just haven't been in the same room as people, you know, yeah. and so it's making it worse, and so... You know, we're in a time of isolation and we're in a time where we're we're kind of have different expectations about isolation. So we're putting different demands on each other. And 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 just because of all of that social awkwardness in terms of like physical space, it makes it hard to like bring people together to talk about anything meaningful because you yeah. can't even you can't even talk about how you, like we don't even we don't even agree on the parameters of how to get together and talk about things. So how are we going to even be able to talk about things? Yeah. I mean, it's literally. I mean, that's the literal, the, the literally the ground. Some of the ground rules that are being put out in the from this legislative working group is how to talk to each other and how to how to order things together to make it work. And I think that's you know, I, I honestly that's going back to that. Like, I thought that was such a such a sort of revelatory sort of thing in this sort of you know continually divisive and continually sort of unable to sort of see from each other's perspective exercise. And that's why. I think to see it so sort of quickly discarded was so disappointing. Uh, um. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that it's it's going to be. That's just how I think that's where we are. I think it's going to be. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be another hard. We're heading into another hard winter in Alaska. You know, it's going to be. Um, we've got Delta and who knows what else on the horizon, and it's going to be uh, another kind of like long, cold, isolating weird winter where we're all a little bit snippy and we're and i don't think things are going to get a lot better until the spring is is kind of what i would guess you know i don't think we're going to magically find a lot of kindness in our hearts um (laughs) as we get as we get farther along in towards the elections and and towards the next legislative session and towards the realities of what this means for alaska's like financial situation Mm -hmm. um i don't think it's going to get a lot more friendly um so yeah i don't know but but it, we're all we're all we're all kind of still here together though so i'm not sure what you want to do with that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think you know that's the thing is that you know the last the last few weeks or months or whatever have been tough and i i think though you know it really does I've been trying to get out more. I've been going fishing a lot on the weekends and great. A lot of that sort of stuff. I mean, I think it really does matter that, you know, that, that people need to get out of, out of 
get the capital out of session more often because it i think once you know you're out you know recreating in alaska you're reminded why you know a lot of those sort of fights feel so distant right and feel yeah. so like why are why are we even wasting our time and energy on those kind of petty fights um and so you know i wish that there were more opportunities for them to build those bridges and kind of you know enjoy fishing together and enjoy doing you know whatever and and kind of and and getting away from the really sort of like aggressively you know oppositional confrontational vibe that we've really been having so far and yeah i don't know how we do that in some ways but you know well yeah hopefully the selection system does something because i'm really you know honestly that's it's going to be i think it's going to be a really interesting sort of development for how we do all this sort of stuff and there was a guy earlier in this in this very episode who said that ballot measure two is not going to solve well, everything solve everything it's going to take the people running you know you get can't you know, you're not just going to magically win the race you gotta you know but it could, it, could, it could change the way that we that we talk about each other in elections like it, it yeah. could definitely you know if you if you're if you're Les Guerra and you're running for governor and you're Bill Walker and you're running for governor, you're going to find some things in common and you're going to probably say, hey, this guy's doing this thing right and vote for him number two or, you know, whatever. Yeah. That And so something like that, you might see a little bit less antagonism, which would be okay. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's interesting to see debates where the the ideological lines aren't super duper clear cut, you know, that you aren't going to just be opposed to it because the other guy supports it. There's going to be kind of a whole sort of spectrum potentially of of positions. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. Do you feel like people are, are getting the change? Do you think, feel like it's going to be a big surprise when ranked choice voting lands? Or do you feel like people in Alaska generally understand that there's something new coming? You know, I don't know. It's hard. It's so hard to understand, you know, understand that sort of stuff, because I think, you know, a lot of people have, you know, make the mistake of assuming social media is the or even, you know, traditional forms of media, you know, television, uh, radio, print media are like we make the assumption that people all know about it. Right. And so, you know, there are a lot of people who don't consume any sort of media right so for some people i think it will be a shock but you know it sounds like for the most part people are learning about it and yeah yeah i'm actually been surprised at how like there hasn't really been a revolt against it yet you know no. I mean, there was a campaign against it but then after the campaign was over it was relatively quiet and it seems like it's just being implemented in in good faith yeah so that good Great. Yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> I mean, I would assume too that, you know, people are looking at it and saying, you know, it doesn't, doesn't obviously benefit any one political party over another. Really, right. Right. Because you look at a lot of these districts and you try to like map out how it might impact it. And in most cases, you know, the candidate's still going to get above 50% and it's not going to be an issue. Right. And so there's only a very few races where it might be, you know, where it might be tight like that. And, yeah. You know, in those cases, you know, it could go, could go one way, could go another way. And and I think that I think that evolution will happen too over several election cycles, you know, where where people will start to understand, oh, OK, I need to run in this way to be successful. And then, you know, it'll it'll settle in after after a, 
a decade or so, but it's, it's going to take a while for people to kind of figure out what strategies work and what don't. Okay. Let's, let's leave on an up note. What, what, uh, what's something cool that's going on in Alaska that, um, that you're excited about, or that gives you a little bit of hope or fresh air. Oh, so actually I do have a cool thing. So, um, uh, so the Fairbanks Daily News Miner has actually been on a big hiring spree in the last, like, I used to work there. Yeah. Um, it had been in rough shape, I think, for a while, um, to the point where going into the pandemic, it was a question of whether or not they were going to be around after the pandemic kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah. And for whatever reason, I don't really know a ton of the interior, in, like, the interior politics of it all, but... They decided to make a pretty big investment and have hired several people, including a magazine editor. And so it has opened up a lot of additional sort of projects for me, which is a lot of fun. So, uh, but it's kind of good to see a place like that thriving. And it also has got a lot of young people from sort of different experiences that are there and doing really great work. And so it's good to see a place that I really care about still still doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually great. That sort of reminds me, there's a couple organizations in Southeast here who I think are doing amazing things. Um, one is Spruce Root and they're, uh, kind of affiliated with Sea Alaska or, or were, I think they sort of spun off from Sea Alaska. Um, but they, they're like a, um, business development group, kind of like, you know, your economic development council or whatever, except for there, I feel like they're actually really having an impact and they're focusing on, um, <laughs> like local business, local small businesses that are, um, that are kind of aligned with the, the larger, uh, mission of, of, of like their corporation. And so it's, um, they're doing things on like food security or like, um, regenerative tourism or, um, or just sort of like responsible local development. So they're, they're working with like the composting, uh, company and, uh, barnacle seafoods is like gathering kelp from our, you know, from the oceans. And, um, so they, they're doing really good work in nurturing small businesses. And it's the kind of thing that I wish that I had around when I was just getting started. And it's really cool to see the benefits to other small businesses that are kind of going through their programs and getting a little bit more like institutional support. Um, because it's so hard to, so often when you're a small business owner, you're just like out there alone, uh, just kind of, <laughs> kind of out in the wind and feeling very exposed. So it's nice to have like this organization doing structural work and connecting businesses with each other. And then, um, the other one I'm excited about is Alaska Fellows Program, and that's a organization that I've kind of been involved in as like a volunteer and now uh, more like a board member and a community liaison. And they, um, they've been doing this great work of bring, not just bringing people into Alaska, but providing places for uh, people from inside Alaska to like excuses for them to stay here. And so they're connecting people with kind of like service work fellowships that are with Alaska nonprofits or Alaska native corporations. Uh, and the, the folks in the program all kind of live in fellowship and work throughout the year. And so we're, we're doing our executive director search right now. It's been really amazing to see the great people who have like stepped up and applied for that position. And, um, I just have high hopes for the organization and for what they're doing. So cool. those are the two things that I'm excited about is it's nice to see things that benefit young people and give them a reason mm -hmm. to stay here. Cool. All right. All well, right. That that's our show. Goodbye, Alaska. Goodbye.